Hi, I'm Paul Jay, and welcome to the analysis.news. In a few seconds, I'm going to be joined by Renaud Lambert from Le Monde Diplomatique to talk about the state of the French elections. Please don't forget, there's a donate button, subscribe button, and most important, come to the website and join our uh, email list. Back in a few seconds. So I'm now joined by Renaud Lambert. He is a deputy editor of Le Monde Diplomatique in Paris, and we're going to talk about the French elections. Thanks very much for joining me, Renaud. Thank you for having me. So Renaud, tell us who, who is Mélenchon and uh, just how significant is this unity of the left and, and where is he at with unifying the left? Okay, well, Mélenchon is a former uh, member of the, part, the Socialist Party in France. He was even a minister uh, in the late uh, 1990s on the Jospin uh, government that was not uh, that was so-called um, plural left, but that was very neoliberal in terms of the economics. Uh, Mélenchon is a, an admirer of François Mitterrand, uh, but he was trained as a Trotskyist. In a, in a very um, um, serious Trotskyist organization, the OCR. And, what, and, and for people who don't know what that means, and I'm not entirely sure what I know what it means, because there's, I think, about 105 variations of Trotskyist organizations. What did that mean in terms of his background? That means that he is very well trained. Now, obviously, Trotskyists uh, have... Um, uh, go very different direction in France. We have plenty of former members of Trotsky's organization that have gone, you know, to the right or that have pulled the Socialist Party to the right. But generally, they are very well-trained people. They know what it is to sit down and talk about strategy and uh, uh, tactics and, you know, to organize a program. He's, I mean, his life is about politics. He started politics when he was 16. So, I, like I said, he was a member of the Socialist Party and uh, he left the Socialist Party after a big vote that took place in France regarding the European Union. And, and you know, we were um, basically entering into the constitution that the European Union was going to be a neoliberal organization, you know, market-oriented. Mélenchon was against that. Uh, so he went on to create a left party, that was its name, Parti de Gauche. And from then on, he's uh, built up uh, uh, um, 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 pace and a position in the left in France, and he's, he was at the helm of a reconstruction of a, a, of the left in France. He was three-time presidential candidate. Uh, first of all, with um, an alliance with the Communist Party, and this time without an alliance. And uh, uh, basically, if you fast forward, he's he's been. Um, uh, uh, an active tool of the displacement of uh, uh, the left from what was the uh, Socialist Party initially to now uh, a certain level of hegemony for Mélenchon's uh, um, organization in France. Uh, for viewers, especially in the US, but in Canada, uh, when they hear he was in alliance with the Communist Party, uh, they're not sure what to make of that because most of Europe... Uh, did not go through McCarthyism and House of Amer Amer Un-American Activities Committee, uh, which in fact Canada did, which is another story. There's an interesting book called The Un-Canadians about that. Um, 
so the communist the communist party in France and much of Europe is is pretty much a social democratic party of sorts itself is that right and and is part of the mainstream politics in one way or the other absolutely the communist party t today would be to the right of Mélenchon definitely um but when you talk about you know an alliance with the the communist party you're talking about the fact that is connecting with part of the left that was itself displaced by former alliance that took place in the 1970s between Mitterrand, who was first time left, uh, the, the first uh, left-wing uh, uh, president in France, elected in 1981. But before that, he, he got into an alliance with the Communist Party. And before that alliance, the Communist Party was, you know, a dominant party in France. It, you know, it, 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 it could count on 25% of votes during presidential elections, you know, after the Second World War. And it had very dedicated uh, militants, you know, or members uh, all across the countryside, people who would go out and canvass. But slowly after that alliance with the Socialist Party, the Communist Party got displaced and reduced to, you know, accounting for very little. But Mélenchon decided to reconnect with them, first of all, because, you know, their past is pretty glorious in France. You know, they push for very good politics. So, you know, that was a way of saying, you know, we're going to ally with you. We're not trying to replace you. And second of all, at that time, the idea was to have an alliance between parties. That was a strategic choice. Now, Mélenchon was moved from that alliance between parties to something that is more a movement. Now, that is a very uh, effective tool in order to create large coalitions because people can come with their own priorities, you know, and add them on as long as they're not contradictory, you know, add them on to the general platform. And that's what's happened. You know, it was very successful in that way. Now, obviously, that raises questions once you're in power. Because, you know, when if you ally between parties, if you work within a party, then you have congresses, you know, general discussions within these organizations that allow you to organize your priorities. When you function on the basis of a movement, then, you know, everybody probably thinks that their priority is going to be priority, you know, but it's, it cannot function like this, you know. So on the one hand, it's a very effective tool in order to, you know, gain space during elections. Now, in terms of actually governing, you know, and implementing your measures, it's a different ballgame. Um, okay, well, let's break down a bit, just to give a little bit of context here. In the presidential election, uh, Mélenchon came in third, but only a very small amount behind Marine Le Pen, the far-right uh, candidate, although the way politics is moving, she's... Uh, uh, far-right is, is mainstream now in many countries, including France. Uh, but... Uh, in the next set of elections in June for the National Assembly, and, and while the president, in theory, gets to select uh, the prime minister, in fact, it's the parliament, the National Assembly, that really gets to pick if, if they don't agree with what the president's going to do. Uh, in theory, whoever, whatever party has the majority of seats should be able to pick the prime minister. So that's what this next election is about. Um, so he, he did very well in the presidential election. He almost came in second and would have been in the runoff. Um, so what is the significance of these allies he has picked up electorally? Like in he's now allied with the Green Party, with the Socialist and the Communist. How much vote does that represent? Well, he came very close. And to give you know viewers uh, an idea, 
he got over 7 million votes um, and he, he missed the second round by just 400,000, you know, a, a very uh, uh, successful presidential campaign for Mélenchon. Um, now, there were calls before uh, uh, the presidential elections to unite the left. Because of course, everybody want, uh, everybody in the left wants the left to win. Um, but the phenomenon that you've been seeing is, you know, a, a, a slow displacement uh, of traditional left-wing parties. Like I, I was saying, the Socialist Party um, still, claimed, still claimed before the presidential election to be a major left party. Uh, and said, well, you know, Mélenchon, you need to talk with us and we need to come up with a platform. Mélenchon said no. And that he was reproached with that because people say, oh, you're not a Democrat. You know, you, you don't want to talk with people. You don't want to ally. And he said, no, I just want to put at my program. Our programs are not compatible. So let people decide. And that happened. And to give you... And there, in fact, was a substantial difference in the program between Mélenchon and the Socialist Party. Absolutely. The Socialist Party at that stage was still and will come to, you know, major, uh, major rift that has taken place since, you know. But the Socialist Party is definitely a neoliberal, was definitely a neoliberal party at that stage. And to give viewers an idea and have, I think Mélenchon was right in that strategy not to ally before the presidential election. Mélenchon got almost 22 percent of the votes. Then came the Green Party, who wanted to ally as well, and they got under 5%. The Socialist Party, party got 1.74%. So that party that, you know, claimed to be, you know, a, a cornerstone of the left got uh, below 2%. Now, once all that happened, you know, and Mélenchon could claim to embody what people wanted, you know, uh, 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 um, some form of opposition to Macron, and his business-friendly uh, politics, and obviously, in uh, you know, the, the trying to uh, resist the rise of the uh, of the far right. Then, on that basis, you know, of who weighs what, it was possible to talk about what do we want to do. So, on the second of May, Mélenchon got into an agreement with the uh, the Greens. Now, the major difference with the Green Party was the relationship to Europe. Mélenchon has always said that some of the policies he wants to implement, and some of them are very radical in the context of a neoliberal European Union, some of these policies could not be implemented because the European Union prevents them, you know, they, rules them out. For instance, and let me just remind, remind viewers that European Union, to a large extent, is the union of European uh, bankers and finance. Uh, much of the EU, not all, I mean, there's some progressive stuff comes out of the EU, but a lot of the economic policy of the EU is driven by uh, bankers and particularly German bankers. Yeah, for instance, one of the main issues at stake during the presidential election was the, the pension reform, and that, that directly comes from the European Union. Now, right-wing governments get into, you know, a, a kind of, you know, implicit agreement with the European Union because when they want to, you know, push through a very bad, you know, part of reform, they'll say, oh, it's the European Union. We have no choice. Obviously, you know, we are sweet as pie. We wouldn't want to do that, you know. Uh, but the European Union definitely has its own agenda. It's a, it's a free trade, business-friendly organization. So say if you want to, you know, uh, uh, make sure that next time there is a pandemic and it might happen, you know, France is in a position to produce vaccine. 
then you need to, you know, spend money in order to kickstart an industry that's been, you know, obliterated by the market that the European Union prevents you from doing this. And one, one of the big issues I know it was it was in Greece and I believe it's also in France is the age of retirement. The EU bankers want the age of retirement to, to be high, not lower. And people want it lower and, and, and with more money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in France, Macron, so Macron calls his the calls himself the extreme center, you know, as opposed to the the, the far left and the far right. He, he, he would be the far center, you know, but he's been rebranded the far market, you know, because uh, it's just plain market all the way. So what he wants is the uh, retirement age to uh, the minimum age you can, you know, retire to uh, move up from 62 years years of age to 65. Now, people should know that in France, working class people, you know, their their life expectancy in good health condition is 65. So what basically Macron is saying to the working class employees, you know, is you will not get a good health retirement. And people, you know, are adamant they don't want this. So let me get back to the uh, to the agreement with the with the Greens. You know, the Greens has always been a very pro EU. You know, they they are still thinking that it is possible to change the EU from inside. You know, and that's been you know they've been at loggerheads for 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 years. But they came to an agreement saying that you know we will implement our our program, and the EU says we can't. We will disobey, and they managed to agree on this. You know, that's been you know. It's been very close to Mélenchon's position for the last presidential election. But anyway, they came to an agreement. With the Communist Party, they came to an agreement the, the following day. And one of the main issues, you know, the, that they had with the, the Communist Party was the fact that the Communist Party is pro-nuclear and Mélenchon is against it. And what they did there is to say, well... Now by nuclear, you mean nuclear energy? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, nuclear energy. Absolutely. And uh, what they say is, is that, you know, the alliance is going to be an alliance where members of parliament unite for big policies, you know, but they all will retain the right to, you know, have their own group inside the parliament. And, you know, the Communist Party will be able to push for, for you know, the development of new nuclear uh, uh, plants and, you know, so disagreements are allowed. And the following day, they came to an agreement with the Socialist Party. And that was very interesting because, you know, it's been it's been a very busy week at the Socialist Party. And basically what happened is the, you know, the former um, heads of the party uh, were all saying, you know, well, if you go into an agreement with Mélenchon, I'm out. <laughs> and basically what the party say, go away. And so you have all these, you know, um, uh, um, uh, elephants you know, former big uh, figures in the Socialist Party who are now orphans, you know, because they've been pulling at the Socialist Party so far to the uh, to the right. You know, some of them actually taking part in Macron's government, the, the current president, neoliberal president, you know, they've been pulling so hard that now it's, you know, it's it's torn. And the head of the party uh, uh, was speaking yesterday at a convention, you know, for that new alliance. And he had very, very strong words against his form, former comrades. Very strong words. So, you know, he's, 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 he was adamant that the Socialist Party needed to uh, uh, go back to a form of uh, radicality that it used to have. And it definitely, 
used to have in France. So that's the context, you know. So you have this alliance against, uh, uh, um, um, uh, not against, um, 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 pushing for a platform that is very progressive. You know, it's the most progressive that we've seen. Uh, What's some examples of that platform? Well, I know lowering the age of pension is one. Uh, to what extent is public ownership part of the program? It's 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 very uh, st a strong uh, part of the program, you know, to uh, be able to nationalize industries in order to be able to invest in them. They're going to uh, they, they, they promise to raise the minimum wage uh, uh, to uh, make sure that wages are revised upwards, which is, you know, something that is inscribed in the law, but never put into place. They want to uh, cap prices for essential um, uh, products in the context of, um, you know, inflation, bad of inflation. Uh, they want to revise uh, uh, um, the laws that organize uh, the working place. Now, these have been attacked massively by M Macron and the, the previous uh, president, president who was uh, a socialist, but you know, who has been very critical of the new alliance. They want to, you know, invest in culture, invest in schools. Schools have been attacked under massive attack by Macron. Um, um, and the environment is going to be a major uh, cornerstone of you know, the, uh, the program. You know, they want to um, uh, assess all the measures that will be implemented against the, the ecology uh, priority. For instance, water which is already running scarce in France, you know, we're only in the month of May and, you know, some some um, localities are, you know, saving water, preventing people from, you know, using them the normal way. And that would only happen in August normally, you know, it's happening now. And Mélenchon... Now, and France, France has a very major uh, oil company, Total. Uh, what is the program in terms of phasing out fossil fuel and transitioning to sustainable energy? Well, there's massive program to invest in uh, um, wind turbines and all of that. Now, you know, um, I think it's a very it's the, the um, that uh, platform has been assessed and independently assessed to be the further uh, uh, any party went in terms of the environment. That program and the, the the one defended by the Greens, you know, it's going very far. But um, Mélenchon always talk. Uh, about a transition and that is very uh, I think it's a key issue you know because obviously we all know that it's going to take transitioning and the transition is going to be tricky you know we're all used to uh, using a, a lot of energy and you know everybody wants their beer to be fresh uh, but at the same time they want to protect the environment you know so that, that it's going to take some discussion now, discussion is going to take, you know, if Mélenchon gets to uh, becomes prime minister, we're going to have a lot of discussion with the uh, European Union. And in a context where the ECB, the central bank in Europe, has uh, uh, announced that it was going to uh, reduce its uh, policy of purchase, pur purchasing assets or basically quantitative easing. That means, you know, in, in common day vocabulary, that means that tensions on the euro, the currency we use over here, is going to build up and you know we could see you know we could see the start of a new debt crisis you know with if Mélenchon was prime minister that would be very interesting to observe you know because definitely we, you would have a dissident voice and that time you know with all due respect to you know the Greeks but it not would not be a country the size and the weight of Greece 
you know, we try to, you know, go into a resistance in the in the years 2015, it would be France, one of the two key countries in the European Union, Union at, the, at the moment. And there's a lot of uh, sentiment in France, uh, which is unsympathetic to the EU, because a lot of Marine Le Pen's vote on the far right was also an anti-EU vote. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I mean, the, 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 the crisis in Greece has left wounds, you know, massive wounds to the, um, you know, the story used to be that Europe is, you know, freedom and prosperity and peace. And, you know, we saw what kind of prosperity the EU was uh, was thinking of for the Greeks, you know, who were, uh, who were compelled to slash budgets, you know, where poverty is shut up. And uh, we saw what kind of war was waged against that population, you know, just because they wanted wages to be paid. They wanted to be able to, you know, have a health system. So, you know... Um, you know, people have seen these, this, you know, and people have heard, you know, when they've been told, well, you know, we have to retire to raise the retirement age because the EU demands it, you know. And uh, um, plus, you know, with the uh, the business in, in Ukraine at the moment, you know, the war in Ukraine, you know, the European Union has t taken it upon itself to close TV channels, you know, on the on the. Uh, 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 because you know they were uh, they were they was they were said to be too close to Russia, you know. When you know in France, for instance, we have billionaires who own most of the uh, you know the the publications, the media, you know, and that raises no no issue whatsoever. So yeah, there is uh, definitely a, a anti-EU sentiment. I would say that during the presidential candidate, all this was cushioned by the fact that the ECB was you know purchasing so much. On the markets, that the tension in, you know, as far as debt was concerned, was smothered, you know. But once it 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 reduces that program, I think we might see this crisis rise again, you know. And does the invasion, Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, help Macron? Uh, he's, you know, he tried to position himself as sort of the person who could help negotiate an end to the war. Um, now there's been a great strengthening of NATO. Uh, Sweden and Finland are talking about joining NATO. Germany is going to increase its budget, as, as are some other EU countries are going to really increase their militarization. Um, does this affect these elections for National Assembly? For the National Assembly, I would say not so much. Um, for the presidential elections, Macron did indeed uh, try and present himself as the president that could not be campaigning because there was business to be dealt with. Uh, I don't think that served him so much because he was so discreet, you know. People have been resenting this. Now, on the other hand, uh, you know, some media have attempted to reproach Mélenchon with what was deemed to be a positive attitude to Putin. To put Putin. But I think that's that was a unfair accusation what Mélenchon has been talking about is the problem raised by NATO and you can you can criticize NATO without being a Putin ally and you know I think two hours after uh, Putin invaded Ukraine Mélenchon had uh, you know a press release at I think he was one of the first uh, you know a presidential candidate to condemn you know like totally the invasion so I, you know at the moment what people you know are concerned about is bread and butter, bread and butter issues, you know, um, and pensions, for instance. U Ukraine is not that present. And so 
with these elections really only a matter of weeks away now, what is it, about a month, um, to what extent is the competition against uh, Macron and to what extent is it about trying to get some of the working class vote that went for Marine Le Pen? If I understand it correctly, she st was stronger in the countryside, which is in rural France, which is why she, she came a little bit ahead. But do they, are they going to be able to eat into some of that vote? She was she was stronger in some countryside, you know, where there was always been a traditional right wing vote. Um, the rest of the countryside either voted for Mélenchon or didn't vote, you know, abstention, like not voting would be the, the, the main uh, uh, attitude. Um, at the, the key will be participation to the elections. To give you an idea, um, there was a 28 percent of the population did not turn up to vote during the presidential election this time in, in 2022. During the last National Assembly elections, uh, uh, below 50% of the population turned out to vote, under, under 50, 50%. You know, people just didn't, pay, didn't care. And, you know, you have to remember that um, it was, um, I can't remember now, I'm, um, I should have checked this, you know, but it's only recently that National Assembly elections uh, organized just after the pre presidential election. And the idea was to ensure that the president would have a, a national assembly, you know, that he would master. And it's it's kind of ironical that, you know, the system is in such a bad way that, you know, what was supposed to, you know, give all the cards to one man is turning out to perhaps preventing, you know, him, Macron, to, to be able to implement his, his, his policies. Well, that's my, actually, that was my next question. Who, for, for the sake of argument, let's say Mélenchon's party and the United Left Front actually wins a majority of the National Assembly. Uh, he, Mélenchon is the prime minister. Who has the power between the president and the prime minister? Well, um, there's nothing automatic about uh, Macron naming Mélenchon prime minister. It would be very, uh, I think, unwise for him not to follow what has been a tradition, you know, up to now. We've had what is called a cohabitation. That means, you know, you have you have a president, one, you know, one political party and a prime minister, a very different one, you know. So all presidents have accepted results, you know, that came from National Assembly elections and decided to name a prime minister from, you know, the major majority party or group. Um, so I hope and I think Macron would follow that tradition. So say if he did, like you, you're suggesting, it's going to be a form of power sharing. But the, in France, the president is first and foremost uh, uh, in charge of foreign policy and defense. But, you know, but all the, the the politics is implemented by the government and the prime minister can do a lot. And uh, uh, Mélenchon has been, you know, very clear, like he, he can, you know, all the policies that I've been describing, he's in a position to implement it, you know. Well, the, is, who controls the money? Isn't it the National Assembly? No, it's it would be the the the, the ministry, and if he has a, if he has a, um, a, so he can he can he can um, uh, uh, organize decrees that you know means that he doesn't have to go to the national assembly. If he has a majority, he can get the national assembly to vote his no, law. I mean, in terms of relationship to the president, the prime minister, if the prime minister's party controls the national assembly, do they control the money? Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, they control the money. You know, they have they they'll have um, their own um, uh, economy minister. Um, Mélenchon will be naming that person. So yeah, um, absolutely. Um, now, if Macron doesn't want to appoint uh, Mélenchon, and and Mélenchon's party does control the National Assembly, can't they appoint him? The National Assembly appoint Mélenchon prime minister anyway. They they don't need Macron. No. No, um, they can't. They can't. You know, only the president can name um, the prime minister. Okay, because there's reporting in some of the American press the other way, so that's wrong. The the the, the National Assembly cannot overrule the president on this. Well, I'm not. I'm not a constitution expert, you know. But you know, it's a prerogative of the of as far as I'm concerned, it's a prerogative of the president to name the the uh, the prime minister. Um, we would go in, down a very serious constitutional crisis if Macron decided to to go against this. I mean, you know, um, the the in the next government that would be uh, elected, because you know, the, the person who would, he would name to form a government, you know, would have no legitimacy. So I want to believe that you know Macron will do it, and that there is no option for him but to do this. You know, so now Marine Le Pen did. Uh, this the right far right uh, party did very well the best it's ever done I think in a presidential election um, are they going to be a serious factor in the uh, national assembly election yeah the national assembly elections are quite tricky in France because you, you have the first round now you might get someone elected at, during the first round but you can have up to but you can have up to three candidates for the second round. So that makes it very difficult, you know, to know how votes will split in what direction, you know, and, and projections are, are complicated. Now, what was interesting was that uh, the, the French presidential election was, you know, uh, characterized by the fact that you had two very right wing candidates, uh, Macron, obviously, and Valérie Pécresse, the traditional conservative uh, candidate, and you had three far right candidates. Now, two got very strong uh, results, Marine Le Pen and Éric Zemmour, who got something like 7%. Now, Zemmour and Le Pen didn't come to an agreement, and he will have his own candidates in, in some areas. So that's a bonus for the left, obviously, you know, because it's going to thin out the, uh, the, the far-right vote. But, you know, the arithmetic for National Assembly elections is a very tricky uh, tricky one um so um, but when we talked the last time uh, uh paul and that was before all these uh, um um say, say we had been talking about a week ago about all this you know um the possibility of melanchon making into prime minister to the you know prime minister position as far as i was concerned was limited very limited you know and I must say that, you know, I'm looking at this in a very different way now. And, you know, the agreements that have, that have taken place, very few people thought would be even imaginable a week ago. And not only, you know, what they imagined, but they, they actually happened. Now, when Bernie Sanders looked like he had a real chance of winning the Democratic Party nomination for president, the American elites went nuts and... Tons of money went to Hillary Clinton, and the media uh, certainly tried to isolate and diminish Sanders. And and you know there was a real closing of the ranks. Is that happening in France? If Mélenchon really has a chance to be prime minister, one would think the French elites are going to go nuts, or already have. 
they are they are going absolutely nuts you know and the uh, the um, the spearhead for this was you know the 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 right wing elements in the socialist party you know and it's very interesting you know that the way that panned out is that you know they're outside but you have a former prime minister from the socialist party who's now a candidate for the national assembly for for macron a very despicable man who actually you know was in an alliance with the far right in spain when he traveled over there his name is manuel valls he is saying these days he's saying that his main enemy uh, the, his adversary in france at the moment it's not the far right it's mélenchon i mean that level of you know uh, um, aggression you know is is terrible i mean and and the media are full of stories about you know uh, uh, the way you know Mélenchon could never uh, manage these agreements. Now he's managed them, but he could never become prime minister, or or if he's prime minister, he will never be able to implement his policies. You know, a, a lot of nightmare scenarios. You know, but you know, there's always something quite exciting at seeing the mainstream media panic. You know, it suggests that something is happening, and they are panicking. In the United States, uh, the billionaire class has an activist section and with their money uh, have a lot to say and influence the outcome of elections. Is it the same in France? Is there any spending limits? Uh, do the, does billionaire money have a big role to play? We don't have that, you know, we don't have the, 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 the fun, funding system that, that, you know, people have in the United States, and luckily. But the way they do try and influence um, the discussion is through the media. You know, the main uh, economics uh, news diary in France is uh, owned by the richest man in France, you know, and uh, the, the second largest uh, general diary is owned by another billionaire. You know, they're, they're everywhere and uh, they're known to uh, intervene in the way stories are covered. Um, now, during the campaign, there's only a certain element of, you know, things they can do. I think, you know, the, the, the picture I'm painting needs to be counterbalanced by another picture, which would be, you know, if Mélenchon actually makes it to, the, the, you know, uh, the position of prime minister. And, you know, he starts uh, unrolling his program and implementing it. Now, the level of aggression there is going to be terrible. I mean, we're going to have capital outflow, you know, and we're not allowed to impose capital control under EU regulation. So the economy is going to go, you know, it's going to be, it's going to go into a crisis. Um, spreads, I mean, the, the, the interest rates that investors require to, you know, purchase French assets, they're going to shoot up. That's going to, you know, that's going to put pressure on the economy. The media are going to be full of stories, you know, uh, about, you know, the way Mélenchon is wrecking the economy. I like to remind uh, uh, people I talk to of, of um, this story. When Mitterrand was first elected, and he was, back then, he was really a left-wing. The uh, fiscal deficit reached 3.2% when the media said, well, that socialist experiment, you know, has got to stop. This is, you know, impossible. And now you fast forward to the crisis in Ireland, uh, you know, when the, after the, the subprime uh, uh, chaos, that the fiscal deficit reached 32% of GDP, 32%. And what the media said, well, we have to 
implement more neoliberal reforms, you know? So the media is always, as you know, in a position to spin whatever the reality is, you know? 3% deficit for the left is just terrible, you know? But when the neoliberals are in power, 32% deficit, just, well, an invitation to go even further. So we're going to have a lot of this, you know? And we don't have medias to counter counterbalance that, you know, narrative that they're going to uh, they're going to impose on the population and some people might get re really scared if when Mélenchon uh, if he starts to implement his program when you know things start to become more tense with the European Union then the question of people's desire to stay within the European Union is going to be an issue you know some people do want Mélenchon and that you know coalition's program to be implemented you know, but with the hope that the European Union will accept a certain level of of uh, variation to the script that it tries to impose all the uh, European capitals. Now, I wonder whether they will accept this. And if we come to a crisis with the European Union, what level of um, support will that coalition in power uh, receive in the streets? You know, will p people take to the streets to say, no, we do want, you know, to cap the retirement age at 60, you know? And um, that's that's a big question. I asked my friend who lives in Paris uh, what she thought of Mélenchon. And her answer was, uh, of course, I would vote for him against uh, Macron, but I didn't like his, his attitude towards Europe. I like being part of Europe. And, and she, she would have voted, I guess, green or something. Uh, but uh, how does he overcome that feeling amongst a lot of you know progressive people? But they they like they want to be part of Europe. They don't they don't want to get out. Well, what he says is that you know what he says. He was talking about this today actually. He, he says, well, you know what we want is democracy. So and we're sure that Europe wants democracy as well. So if the people vote for a program, you know the democracy demands that we implement that program. You know, and then if the European is making a fuss, then it's going to teach everybody a lesson. Now, you have to remember what happened in Greece. So in Greece, in, in you know, early 2015, Tsipras, left wing, was elected in order to, you know, renegotiate a memorandum of understanding with what the so-called Troika. So that was the, the, the European Central Bank, uh, um, the uh, European Commission and the IMF. And people in Greece, they wanted to stay in, within Europe. They didn't, want, they didn't want to leave, you know, but they didn't want that, you know, that austerity imposed on them. So, and over six months, Tsipras tried to negotiate with the so-called partners, you know, and so that what he had in front of him was a bulldozer, you know, adamant that they, they were they're going to crush the aspiration of the Greek people to review that, you know, austerity. And when, when Tsipras organized a referendum in July 2015, and ask people, do you want to scrap the memorandum of understanding? That means, do you want to do away with austerity? Implied, even if that means we're going to be kicked out of the European Union, of the Eurozone, sorry. People voted, yes, we do want to do away with austerity. You know, six months was the time it took for people to understand what I think the European Union is about, you know, containing democracy. So, you know, I think... For your friend, it would be it would be uh, interesting to see, you know, if she did vote for someone like Mélenchon, you know, if she was in, allowed to vote in France, you know, probably what how, what would she make of the way the European Union is reacting to his attempt at implementing 
measures that have been democ democratically voted, you know? And, you know, how would that opinion evolve in the course of six months? As you said earlier, uh, and, and I would say not just one could, one should, Uh, denounce the Russian invasion of Ukraine and denounce the eastward expansion of NATO. And if I were, as a, you know, I'm a dual citizen, but so as a member, as a U.S. citizen and a Canadian citizen, I would like to see the end of NATO uh, completely. Um, that said, what is the attitude in France? How much is the issue of NATO uh, an issue? Well, in the context of the alliance that that's been uh, that's been uh, formed. Uh, uh, in the run-up to the National Assembly elections, NATO was a, a point where no agreement was reached. So Mélenchon wanted France to leave the integrated um, command system for NATO and to, um, um, to uh, develop a neutral position, the way Ireland has a neutral position. That means, you know, you're not, you're not bound by uh, 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 treaties, you know, you can have your own, basically your own defense politics, policies. Um, but other parties like uh, the Socialist Party, the Greens Party, uh, would not want to leave NATO. So, you know, that question has been left aside. And when he talks about it, uh, you know, because obviously people say, well, the, the, um, the president is in charge of defense But, you know, the prime minister is in charge of uh, uh, security in, um, in, the, in, in the country. And we do want France to be able to have, you know, a united position in the context of a, <clears throat> of a war that, you know, might, might very well go nuclear. And um, may not... Well, if it goes nuclear, they don't have to worry about what the position is. <laughs> You're right about this. Um, Mélenchon has been stressing the fact that he would make sure there's, there isn't, you know, um, like um, uh, the slight difference between his position and Macron. And, you know, as a matter of fact, Macron has not been doing too bad on that, you know, on that uh, issue. You know, he's, he has been trying to, to talk with the Russians and to, you know, organize discussions, you know, that you know, obviously some of the belligerents are not interested in at the moment. But, I, you know, I think... It could work. Okay. Well, thanks very much. And we'll get, well, let's do this again as we get closer to the election, maybe a few days before the vote, and, and then we'll talk about after the vote. Thanks very much, Renaud. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. Uh, please don't forget the donate button, subscribe button, and join our email list. And thanks again. <laughs>